incentive. Because think about it, if I do a Zoom, I don't have to provide my driver's license. I just have to show it. Mm. So now I own your property that I bought for $400,000. There's no lien on it. And then I go put your house on the market, sell it. Multiple people are coming by and seeing the house and they're taking deposits. Ooh. You know, me being me, I remember I created a bank, created the, the actual um, uh, bank statements and then showed that she had like $120,000 in reserves in this bank that had been open for, you know, I have three, four, five bank statements. And, and, and so we give them to them. And then, they, of course, you know, then they call the bank and we have someone that answers the phone for the bank and transfers it. And then, of course, I get on the phone and I start tapping like, OK, what's the name? <laughs> All right. Let's say you bring $10,000 of closing, but you get a check back for $38,000. Mm. So they're making $18,000 on, on the purchase price. So I remember I looked at him and I go, that's steer steering. And he goes, he goes, right, right. And I went, no. No, I said, that's, that's, that's illegal. You're not allowed to do that. And he went. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm going to be doing an interview with, with uh, Bert Ferguson. He is a, a real estate agent, and we're going to be talking about some scams and some, some real estate fraud. And so check it out. So we're going to talk about today different types of real estate fraud that are ha that's happening now in this era, 2023. You know, we've got social media, we've got Zoom, we've got things that have kind of advanced in the tech world uh, since you were running the streets. And there's, um, I kind of wanted to get your perspective on it, what you would do in some of these, uh, or what you what you would be thinking in some of these instances, and um, any insight you can give to people that watch my channel. A lot of people who do watch are uh, people coming from out of state. Delaware's really big military. So some of these people don't come to settlement in person. So there may be chances where things get slipped up, uh, documents get copied, whatever may have you. And I wanted to kind of get someone like you, who's an expert in it, um, even have a fine arts degree. So you can literally go from start to finish on creating a whole scam. Right. So I wanted to kind of uh, go over that. So what we're going to, I guess the first thing we'll go over is real estate fraud is seller fraud, right? What we'll be going off of, there's an attorney's office here in Delaware, Warden Taylor, and I have to give him a big shout out. So if you guys are watching this at Warden Taylor, uh, they, they handle uh, a lot of real estate transactions here. And they came, they came to our office about two weeks ago talking about some fraud that they've been seeing. So I wanted to kind of go over that. Um, they had one instance where there was a homeowner uh, or a listing agent who was uh, contacted the, the attorney's office. The seller could not meet the listing agent at the property because they were out of state. And pretty much it was a fraudulent seller. This person um, would not get on Zoom. They had a fake driver's license. Um, they called the, it says the listing agent called the seller by business number found online. The real seller was not selling that property. So basically it was an identity was kind of stolen a little bit. And I wanted to know with you. Did it, did it go through? No, the, the deal did not go through. So what happened, I guess what ended up happening was the attorney's office tried to double down and just Googled and reached out to the real seller and said, hey, we're trying to get some documentation. What's going on? Why won't you answer the phone or Zoom? I'm not looking to sell my property, so I don't understand that. Right. So what I wanted to ask you, uh, I guess with this first one here, when it comes to sellers or listing agents, while um, 
you were doing, uh, running your scam, were there any listing agents who sniffed anything, who smelled anything or any specific instances where it was like, this is really weird. This guy right. wants to buy or sell these properties and nothing in our area is uh, appraising or anything like that. No, because I, it's, it's funny that you, it's, it's funny that you asked me that. Cause like nobody ever asked me that. Like yeah. if you read my book, like I, 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 I explain for instance, I, I did a scam in uh, South Carolina, which I've talked about. Um, but when I so when I was on the run, I was even more apt to actually show my face. Like when I was in Tampa, I didn't want the the scam to be, you know, any of the scams to leak back to me. Once I went on, once they eventually did, and I went on the run, then I could care less. Okay. So at that point, I started approaching. Um, professionals to help me with my scam. So I, I just went, like, I would go meet you. You don't know who I am. You know, it's not like, it's not like if I showed up at your office and said, Hey, listen, I want to, I want to buy a house in this area. And I've got 10% to put down on a house worth, you know, $300,000. So I got like six, I got like, I got like 30,000 bucks, maybe 40. I'd rather keep, you know, 10 for myself to help with some, you know, moving, whatever, but I got about 40 grand. I need somebody to owner finance their house for me. Can you look up some owner finance houses, three bedroom, two baths in this general area? Now, you obviously, I don't know what the the price range in your area is, but in the area I was in, which was South Carolina, you know, 15, 16 years ago, that was reasonable. That was a decent size house, right? Like 250,000, 300,000. That's a nice house. Same here. South Carolina. The average price in our county is 321. So you would have a deal all day. You would have right. an agent take you out. And try to close something up. Yeah, that'd be a good right. one. Right. So you're not going to ask me for my driver's license. No, I'm not. not no. no. Now, if you were maybe a female agent before maybe I you got in the car with me or something, they might say, hey, can we get your driver's You know, maybe, maybe, but you're just a regular guy, a regular real estate agent. And even if you did, it's fine. I give you my driver's license. I have a real driver's license. So I, you know, we jump in the car, you pull up six listings, we drive out, we look at six listings and Every single listing, I say, man, I love it. Put a contract on it. <laughs> I'll put, you know, oh, he wants what? Two fifty. I'll put twenty five thousand dollars down if he'll owner finance it. Next one, I'll put twenty. You know, I'll put whatever. And you would go, okay, well, you know, I'll I'll call the listing agent. And you, you even if he told the listing agent, hey, look, this guy's putting contracts on houses. He's gonna buy whatever house comes in first. Mm -hmm. And so two days later, they come back and they say, yeah, I'll I'll take the house, you know, or yeah, they'll, they'll take the offer. So and that's, kind of, and that's kind of interesting too, because with these situations that we're seeing a lot of here, it's not really, these are like identity theft purchases where these people don't even have the property. Whereas you actually purchased the property, but just took out several loans on one property. Right. What, well, the, the, I'm sorry. They, well, cause the scenario I'm giving you is I'm trying to kind of, I mean, I'm going to get to that in a second. I'm, I'm explaining right now. What I'm trying to say is that you wouldn't be like, you haven't done anything wrong. You, but think about what you just did. You're facilitating a fraud by doing what you do every day. There's no reason for you to, even if you said, you know what, something's wrong. I need to get this guy's ID. Okay. Get it. If face. it was a fake ID, you would, even if it was real or fake, you wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. you'd put it down, you'd scan it. There's no way for you to really check. Um, we go out, we look for the house. I buy the house. You know, we set a schedule of closing. I show up with my money. 
I close, I put the money down in a cashier's check. I have a bank account. Um, we signed the paperwork. Now I own the house. I have to start making payments in a few, in a month or so, 45 days, 30 days, whatever it may be. And everybody involved, the title company asked for a driver's license. Here's my driver's license. You know, so I'm giving everybody what they want. The transaction goes where the title company hasn't done anything wrong because they do what, because everything checks out because it does check out. Mm. So now I've bought this house. I, of course, would end up satisfying the loan on the house and borrowing multiple loans on it, which we can talk about later. But or I could satisfy the loan on the house, the owner finance loan and their old loan. And then I could just sell that house. Even if the seller, the original seller saw that the house was on the market. What are they going to do They're They're going to think, well, I'm OK. Because if they might call me and say, hey, I see that house is on the market. I say, oh, yeah, well, turns out that the area is going up and I, I got transferred, so I'm going to sell the house. But don't worry, I'm making the payments. And, and don't worry, we'll pay off your mortgage at closing. They think everything's fine because they think they have their owner finance mortgage on title. But I've already satisfied that. Wow. So they could show up the, the day after the closing or two days later, and it's just too late. Oh, my gosh. So because even if they showed up three days a week later and thought, hey, we haven't got our check yet, I would just go like if they called or something, I'd say, that's crazy. Like, well, don't worry. Let me call the title company. I called title. Hey, call them back and say, hey, they said that they're they're putting it in the mail. They had to cut checks. It takes a couple of days. And, and that's my question, too. In, in uh, Florida, you do all settlements at title companies. Do, do any of these happen at attorney's offices? In Delaware, we only do settlements at attorney's offices. We don't have title companies that do closings. Right. Um, yeah, there, there, are, there are attorneys that also do real estate transactions. But I'd say the bulk of I bet you 75 to 80 percent of them are at title companies. It really probably 90 percent. Is, do you find it was, it, was it easier in your time to do a, a transaction at one versus the other? Or was it really all? It's exactly the same. The difference is the per, the closing agent that walks in is either a closing agent that says, hi, I'm the closing agent, or they come in and they, or they say, hi, I'm the attorney. It's just and the, There's no difference. You know, you still get a HUD statement, truth in lending, good faith. You sign the, you sign the, uh, the mortgage application, you sign all the disclosures, like everything's identical uh, with okay. the exception of one is, you know, John Thompson, attorney, you know, real estate attorney at law, okay. and one's uh, you know, lawyer's title company. So, and, and it doesn't matter because that attorney's still getting his policy through the same lenders, the same mm -hmm. title insurance companies. You know, it's still going to be Old Republic or lawyer's title or mm -hmm. whoever. Um, so, with that said, back to your original, there was no reason for those people to be weary of me. In your situation, I can see why the title company was, is, is questioning that closing because they thought, why won't this guy get on a Zoom? Why won't this guy this? Why is he putting up all these beers? Why is it so hard for us to get in touch with this person? Because that person's trying to cover their identity. That's somebody who doesn't have, he doesn't have his scam down right. Does that make sense? Like he doesn't have all the pieces. And that's what's, been, that's what's kind of been happening. People from overseas who were just throwing a shot in a barrel. They're saying, hey, look, I own this property. Here's the information that I have. Here's what's kind of going on. And they don't really I can have see that. Like, that's exactly what it is. If you were to try and pull that off, you would know what was customary. Right. You would know they're going to ask this. 
I can't do that. I need to figure out how to get around that or I need to get somebody to do the Zoom for me. Right, you know? which, is a big, which is a big one that these attorney's offices are at least trying to do before we get to settlement. If they've never seen the, the, the buyer, no one can really get in touch with the, or, or the seller, whoever, right. uh, both sides. Um, Zoom is a big one, which we're, we can get into later too with the tech stuff. I wanted to ask about that versus your time now. Um, but yeah, Zoom is a big one, trying to get a face-to-face at least. So I wouldn't have that covered too, yeah. Law enforcement often questions him, not because he's suspected of a crime, but because they find him fascinating. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I can see, you know, like I can, I can see that they figured that out. If they hadn't yeah. figured it out, then it'd be, I would, you know, I, I'd have to say, hey, this, like to me, if they if the guy got on the, on a Zoom and did the whole transaction and provided all the documents, then I'd say the title company didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people say, "Oh, it's the title company's fault." Well, how they did everything? It's a, that's customary. Yeah, but this guy left. This guy. This guy. There were some red flags. Yeah, and that's a weird. And that's the weird thing is that everyone in the transaction, especially in a place like Delaware, where I do a bulk of my transactions, it's. It's, it's not um, a place where we run into a whole lot of just unusual stuff. It's a very small state, so things get around quickly about what you may find or, or see or whatever. Um, and it's just kind of funny that, that that kind of happened. And then in Delaware, we're starting to try to figure out uh, patterns so that other people in the transaction can at least try to intercept before we get to closing. Um, everyone tries to keep in contact. We don't really get a lot of craziness. So, and, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is that every person in the transaction is actually doing what they're supposed to do. And we're trying to figure out ways, how can we go a little deeper? So if it is a scam, if there's a fraud involved, some of us, you know, in the chain of transaction can try to find it before it gets to the attorney's office. And usually here, the attorney's office ends it. So they kind of get it. I was going to say, um, it's funny you, you know, you had mentioned because in Hillsborough County, apparently there's been a rash of title thefts recently. And I actually, you know, I've actually gone to the Hillsborough County, uh, the uh, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office several times and talked with detectives in the last month or so. And yeah, a lot of them, they, they had a guy that it's actually uh, several guys. It ended up being several guys. He initially thought it was one guy, the, the detective I talked to, but where they just caught them, where the guy was driving around, they were just looking for abandoned properties where you could tell like the yard's been overgrown and they would go in and transfer the warrant or the deed, or they would take the person's identity. They would say, Hey, I'm so-and-so the guy that owns this property. I'm him. They put it on the market. Somebody would come to closing and then they would try and do a closing like a zoom style closing. And they would, send a copy of, let's say, the driver's license. Well, they'd make a driver's license and send it. Because think about it, if I do a Zoom, I don't have to provide my driver's license. I just have to show it. Mm. So you can't really tell, like if it's a, a notary closing or remote closing, mm. you can have a notary or something right. where you do like, right. So you say, yeah, here's my license. You, you, yeah, you scan a copy and send it to them. They go, oh, okay. That's really crazy. And, um, you know, I haven't had any of those uh, happen quite yet. Now, this is, in, you said Hillsborough County, that's South, is that South Carolina or North Carolina? Where is that at? 
Oh, I'm in uh, I'm in Florida. That's a Tampa, oh. Tampa. Area. Okay, so Hillsborough County is in Tampa. That's in Tampa. Yeah. That's not in Tampa. Okay, so at the time, right? Um, kind of back to you know the big thing I want to do too is have this interview and this conversation from a, from a, a, a real estate professional's um, another real estate professional's perspective, right? Did you have any agents, brokers, whoever in Tampa who knew what was kind of happening and said, you know what, we're just going to continue to go with Matt on this? Like basically, was there any agent who you were like, he knows what's going on. He just likes the money. And and is there a way that an agent who may be faced with that, who's watching this, like, man, I think something weird is happening with one of my clients. They've got a lot of money. What, how do I kind of go through this? Or what are some of the thoughts and banter back and forth? Or what happened to any agent that may have? Um, with you? So, it's, it's so funny you even asked that because like I literally saw this guy in in the gym a month ago Damn. and I've mentioned his name before on podcasts and people have reached out to him. And so he's like, I am asking you not to mention my name again. And I was like, I can't tell people about this. He was <laughs> you not to mention my name. Telling, correct. I'm pretty sure you told in some of the interviews this one of the people is like still an agent. Is that oh, yeah. Oh, no. Listen, I, I know agents. I know um, I know people that weren't even real estate agents at the time okay. that then became agents and then became brokers. So it's like I did over a million dollars in bad loans for you. And you then became a real estate agent and, 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 a, uh, and now a, a real estate broker. Mm. So, oh, I know. Mm. I know there was this. Th so that guy. He's, I mean, still a real estate agent. He was never, uh, he was indicted, but only as an unnamed co-conspirator. And so he was never actually prosecuted. They were going to prosecute him. They just, by the time I got caught, the whole financial industry was collapsing. So he just didn't get prosecuted. Oh, damn. Um, uh, you know, nice guy. But what, what ended up happening was he, he knew that I was buying properties using fake identities or synthetic identities. And so he was going out and finding properties that he knew, hey, you can buy this property for, let's say, $50,000. But you could probably get it appraised at $200,000 because of what I was doing in the area. I was raising the purchase, or I was raising the- Sales the, price. Yeah, the, I was raising the, I was recording the sales price. Right. Higher. higher so I'm buying properties, what? So it would be higher than the contract price, What you would actually go to the county recorder of deeds and it would be higher, 100,000, 70,000 difference higher than what was actually settled on. At least that much. Yeah. So At I'm buying that. properties for 50,000. We're closing for 50,000. Right. But I'm recording the closing at 200,000. Now, here's where I want to pause. Yeah. How are you doing this? Because I don't think in our state, and maybe there's been uh, legislation that's changed this. I don't think a buyer or a person who closed on a home in Delaware, at least, can um, go and record their own deed. So how did how did you get around that? How did how did well? That initially, I was dating the girl at the title company, the manager of the title company. Okay. Um, but that turned into me figuring out that if I just told the owner of the title company or the person I was dealing with that the the seller was insisting that we record the deed the same day. 
And I was like, so look, if you want to give it to me, I'll drive it up there and bring it right back. And they go, oh, no problem. Wow. And they would give it to me. They'd give me their check. And then I would add a difference in the doc stamps. So if it was, let's say I bought the house for 50000 and the doc stamps should have been uh, $350. I would just add an extra, let's say, um, $1,050. And then I would change the sales price from 50000 to 200000 And so when I paid the extra doc stamps and recorded it at 200000 it would show up at a say as a it would show up as a sale for 200000 And I paid the doc stamp, so there's no question. And then mm. you bring it back and, and give it to the title company. And I'm pretty sure, like, I had a good relationship with these people, so they trusted me because, you know, people trust me for some reason. Um, and so, you know, I'm closing transactions. I've been closing transactions for years, and they've never had any issues. So wow. why wouldn't they trust me? And I'm doing them a favor. It's like, hey, if you want to drive downtown, they oh, no, no, no. So the other thing is, let's say I bought your house right now. Yeah. You and I don't have to go to a real estate agent. Right, right, right. You could right. simply sign a warranty deed or you, we could create a warranty deed. I could, and you, first of all, you could transfer your property into my name. Then I could go downtown, get a transaction form, fill it out, pay the doc stamps, and they would take it. And they would record the sale of your house to Matt Cox two or three or 400,000, whatever I paid the doc stamps on and said it was being recorded at, as long as they matched up. Wow. Um, and then it would show up in public records a week later or two weeks, however far your county's behind. Might be the same day. No, it, our county, so that would be bad for somewhere like Delaware. We're, we're behind on recordation, so. Yeah, or, and everybody is. Some places are months and months behind. Some places right. are three days behind. Right. So it would show up saying, hey, Matt Cox just bought um, Burt's property for $300,000. There was no lawyer involved. Now, you'd still have a lien on your property because you have a lien from Bank of America for 300000 And then I'd go fill out a satisfaction of mortgage. And I could record that four days later or a week later because, you know, it takes time for the title company to mail it. So a week later, I go and I file that document in public records. They would accept it. They'd scan it. Even if they said, why do you have this? I, all I have to say is, oh, Bank of America mailed this to me and I called them and asked them what it was. And they said they they accidentally mailed it to me and they should have mailed it to you. And mm. they told me to bring it down here and just have you record it. And they were like, and they they and I did this all the time. They would go, oh, that happens sometimes. And they wow. scan it, let me pay the $12 fee to record it or $10 or seven, whatever it is. And it gets recorded. And a couple of days later, it shows up saying there's no mortgage on the property. Now I own your property that I bought for $400,000. There's no lien on it. And then I go put your house on the market, sell it. You, you might figure it out when you're driving by the property. You would sell someone's house right from under them, kind of? That's what's happening there? Right. Or well, they you could do it. It's easy to do that if I'm renting the house. Now, if you live in the house, it's more, not that I haven't done it, but more difficult to do I borrowed three mortgages on a guy's house that was living in the house one time. So usually I like to try and I like to try and rent the house because then I don't need this guy showing up. Like what if something happens? Right. So I would typically rent the house. So you have no clue. You know, you don't have a clue until one day I stop paying you rent. You go by the house to so knock on the door and say, what's going on? You check the mail and you see that there's 
for people foreclosing. Or if I've sold the property, you show up, knock on the door and say, hey, is uh, Matt Cox there? And of course, I say, you know, the, the new owner says, oh, that's the guy we bought the house from. You say, no, I, I own the house. <laughs> oh, he goes, my God. He goes, no, you, they go, no, you don't. I own the house. Wow. Wow. Now, in that situation, um, let's say that there was an agent somewhere. Maybe I don't know where it would be in that situation. But what what was the disposition of maybe some of the agents you did come across where were a lot of them aloof and did not even understand what was going on? Maybe most of them had no idea, like the ones I told you about in South Carolina or the agents I dealt with in Nashville, Tennessee. They had no idea. Right. None. Was there any, telling, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, was there anything where you were like, wow, this guy should probably know that, or he should at least look at this or were they just doing their job and kind of opening doors, filling out contracts. So, that was it. You know, un, unlike I think a lot of people that are maybe trying this type of scams, these types of scams um, in my particular instance, I, I, I know I, I would craft a story so that as I know you're driving me around, I can tell you my story so that what later when you asked questions, it made sense. Mm. So mm. I'll give you an example. And, and this is once again in South Carolina, okay. we're driving around and let's say you say, oh, um, uh, you live around here? And I go, I just, I just moved to the area about a couple months ago, about, three, about two, three months ago. Okay, so you're new. Right. So that's what I'm thinking. As I'm like, okay, so he's not from me. He doesn't really know. Okay. I was trans, I was just got transferred from my job. I, I was in uh, Tampa, Florida. I, mean, I was there for like five years. I worked at the same job for about five years. They just transferred me. Oh, okay. And then they would, then he would say, um, uh, you know, did you, did you own a house there? I'd say, no, I was renting from somebody probably about, I don't know, two, three years ago, I got into a real bad car accident and you know, I had I I I had to claim bankruptcy. Uh, I've reestablished my credit really just in the last few months mm. because of the bankruptcy and stuff. I just started getting credit cards. Just started, so I have I've really I mean I really have no credit. You know, the bankruptcy is off now, but I just don't really have any credit. I don't even know if it shows up. And that way, he's thinking, okay, so he can't get a mortgage because I know what the real estate agent's thinking. He can't get a mortgage, and I'd say, but like I said, I have ten percent down. I've been on my job five years. You can pull my credit, but I only have a couple credit cards and no credit scores. This is not a problem. As an right. agent, I'm thinking this isn't a problem. Yeah, can- I could, you're thinking, okay, it makes sense. He's, he's got good job stability. He's got down, a, a good down payment. I can probably get somebody to own or finance the house. Maybe, mm-hmm. and I'm not picky. Okay. I'm putting, I'm not asking you, hey, your $300,000 house, I wanna get that house for 280 and I want you to uh, own or finance it. No, no, I'll pay the, your asking price of 300,000, mm. which you didn't really think you were gonna get anyway. Right, so that's, I think, I'm gonna put a quick pin in this because there's gonna be other agents in our area who watch this. I think that agents who come across leads, come across potential clients who have some of these things, maybe they don't care at all about trying to negotiate at all, um, they're giving you a backstory, but there may be some holes in there somewhere. Maybe those are things that are red flags um, that you agents, us agents, as we're going around, instead of like calculating the commission check because we can hear the dollars going. Right. 
which everyone does. Um, but we, what we don't want is for someone to end up buying a home and um, with a false identity or anything like that. So agents, everything that Matt's kind of saying right now, I would say pay, we should pay attention yeah, to. It, it makes you, you look bad. It makes you because terrible. you're representing the client and they think you're looking out for them. And the problem is, is that, you know, what training course is there to detect somebody who's trying to use you to further a fraud? There that, isn't. There isn't at all. And that's why I found this time and I wanted to really try to make this relevant and as, as juicy as possible because we don't. We have continuing education. You wrote continuing education courses for lenders, for, for mortgage people uh, while you were away. So you kind of get it that there, there oh, is yeah. that. But in, um, there really isn't anything super deep on the fraud. And, and it's, I, I believe that fraud is going to pick up in real estate with the uh, dollar situation and digital coin and central banks stuff. Um, I think that there's going to be a, a lot of crafty overseas money that's going to oh, come there's there, that's one of the things they were talking about the 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 uh guys were talking about was um sorry the detectives were talking about was like um oversee yes. fraud where people are coming over here and they're borrowing tons of money or buying properties selling them in their name getting the money transferring it, and then leaving because let's face it if you go to another country like that like most countries are not going to extradite their citizens back to the united states no uh, so, you know, if you go back to Iran, mm, it's over. You never yeah, you're, out of here with the bank's money and a property. It's, it's over. Yeah, you go and to I, Iran with 300,000. It's like showing up with 2 million. Exactly. And, and, and I don't want any agent in, in any uh, market to to be a part of that or to um be uh, to be victim of that because they didn't right. do any diligence or pick up some subtle signs or, or have an idea of like what's coming in the future. Um, so I think that this is super relevant for that. He built some of the nation's largest banks out of an estimated $55 million because $50 million wasn't enough and $60 million seemed excessive. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crimes, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. Where I was going to kind of segue into is, is, is I guess we were talking about overseas stuff. Let's get into social. When you were doing it, when was the timeline of um, when your scam was at, at a time? What, what years were that, if you can? I would say from 2000 until, um, always whenever somebody asks me, it always irritates me because my, my, the, the, my U.S. attorney used to, used to say he did this for for over a decade it wasn't over a decade <laughs> it wasn't a decade you know but it's it's like arguing you know she's saying you know he 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 burglarized 30 houses and i'm saying i burglarized 22 like exactly you're still, you're still yeah. a he's got their teeth in you already know i know yeah it's so stupid but yeah it was from probably 2000 until uh, 2000 and and almost 2007 late to like I literally I got arrested like just shy of 2007 so it was about seven years seven years okay so you're not, right. a <laughs> not a decade for anybody, for anybody oh. watching this your DA whatever um no so you I know you were out and about you were living a really exciting life I don't know if you really had any time for social media because it was a little bit around around that time um, I'm 32, so I remember from like 05 to 07 was MySpace. Did you ever get on MySpace? No. Did you ever reach out to anyone on MySpace? No, because 
No. Um, you know what had just come out maybe a year, six months to a year was uh, Facebook. Okay. But like my, the girl I was dating just before I got caught was on MySpace. And then she, I remember she told me, she's like, you want to get, um, she said, I'm going to start a Facebook page and move everybody over to Facebook. Do you want to start a Facebook page? And I was like, ah, I'm, I'm number <laughs> one on the secret services most wanted list. Like, uh, I feel uh, like that's a mistake, but what? Not, so I'm going to go with no. Yeah, that's no. a no. Yeah. And I'm going to go with a hard no. On and that. I hate to say, wait, is this the one who you were like, yeah, minus expenses? When she was like, we just made out with this oh, money. No, no. Yeah, minus expenses. And she was no. like, I want to go was home. Becky. That was Becky. Was, that, was, that was the chick named Becky. She uh, was. Okay. Oh, listen, yeah. that, that, me just saying that. And, and that was just me just. In the course of, you know, just yeah, like, I, know. Like, I find it. I, just, I, find I didn't, I wasn't being a smart ass. I just happened to say, well, I mean, yeah, my, you know, she's like, we just made $50,000. And I was like, well, yeah, minus, minus expenses. And, and she just went and I nuts. Find that, I find that funny too, because uh, listing, when, when you're doing a listing and the listing presentation, you're talking to the seller and they're figuring out how much you're going to make. And I'm yeah. like, minus my expenses because I got to take pictures. I'm gonna do your lawn care during the, I'm gonna get your grass cut if you're a vacant, if it's a vacant property. So I'll say minus expenses and I will see some of them go, well, you still made $10,000. And I'm like, well, I had my expenses for listing the property, uh, you know, marketing, if I'm gonna do a drone video, if I'm gonna do some of these things. So anytime I ever saw that come up in your story, I was like, that's yeah. hilarious, people don't. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that always kills me. Like when your attorney says it's $20,000, do you, so you're gonna make $20,000? No. First of all, let, let, let's let's put aside the fact that I have um, the, the fact that I have overhead, the fact that I have a secretary, the fact that I have an assistant, the fact that there are going to be multiple paralegals working on your stuff, all the hours I'm going to have to put in. Because if there's 40 hours of wires or, or taped wired conversations um, from the DEA on your case, do you know how long it takes to listen to 40 hours of wired? Uh, 40 hours. At least, at least 40 hours. Yeah, at least when bored. Right. So you start, at, let's put all that aside. Right. I went to college, mm. which I'm still paying, you know, I was paying student loans. on. I had to go to law school. I practiced under someone else for a year or two. Not that you have to, but that's what the way it typically works. Like right. you start adding it like, that's why you're paying me because yep. I'm not, a guy that worked at Home Depot and is now selling property because I have seven or eight years of, or at least at least four to six years of schooling. At least you took the you at least you you took the real estate exam. You have continuing education courses that people take. Wow. Have, they don't know any of that. No, no, these things all come quarterly, yearly. These right. are things that are cost of business. Um, the rent at our office, um, just various things well, I need to facilitate. Yeah, and. So. And there's things that you're doing that they don't realize that people in the, in the normal course of business don't realize. I'll give you an example. I met with a guy and I, I'm not going to say his name. If he watches this, he'll know. Okay. Um, he was flipping houses. I met with him and I, I, I was paid to go and give like a, a little a talk in, um, in Houston, uh, in Texas. Okay. And so while I was there, he showed me some of the properties he's flipping. 
And as we're, and he's just, he's a real estate agent. I'm sorry, not a real estate agent. Sorry. He's not a real estate agent. He's just an investor. He invests, picks, fixes up houses and sells them. So as we're driving, but he's young. And as he's driving, you know, we go to the property. He goes, here, I'm going to turn here, turn here. He goes, okay, hold on. He said, I usually bring people this way. He said, because if you come from the other way, he said, you drive by the, through the projects to get here. He goes, I don't take people that way. I always come this way. And my first, and, and he, he was like, yeah, like, right. Like that's, that's good. Right. And I thought that's redlining steering. Right. And I thought that that's steering. Like that you steering. Just told me that you're right. Which is illegal. It's yeah. illegal to steer people through a nice neighborhood to get to the property you're selling so that they don't realize how close they are to the bad neighborhood. And, the, and then, uh, huh? Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, so I remember I looked at him and I go, that's steer- steering. And he goes, he goes, right, right. And I went, no. No, I said, that's 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 illegal. You're not allowed to do that. And he went, What do you mean? And I explained it to him and I said, if you were to if your borrower or I'm sorry, your buyer were to find that out, or if you were to admit that, or if they could prove that, mm. then I said, that opens you up to a lawsuit. So I said, I wouldn't do that. And I at least wouldn't tell anybody that that's, so if you don't mentally do it, but you're telling me that you're proud of yourself for doing this, you're admitting, not realizing you're admitting to, to something that's fraud. Yeah. So the sin, as we were driving and I was like, man, how do you find this? He's like, this is a great neighborhood. He goes, I know, I know. He's like, this area and this area are good. They're kind of up and coming. He goes, I never buy in this area. Mm-hmm. And I, he was like, because that area, um, it right now, they're tearing down this. They're doing this. I like, started naming all these things. And I went, you never buy there? He's like, no, and it's a poor neighborhood, and it's this and that. And I went, that's redlining. Yeah. <laughs> and on the flip side, if he's going over to sellers or homeowners in these areas and go, hey, down the street, they're shooting all the time. Aren't you ready to sell? That's blockbusting. So right. there's the there's the three ang- there's those angles that oops sorry there's those right. angles right. Um, this is really good that you do have to think about. Now he he's an investor, so he's not bound by the ethics that NAR has. Right, and he's, he's not a- doing it. I was gonna say he's not. He wasn't doing it maliciously. He thought it was just good strategy. And it's like okay, look, I get it. People do it, but. He doesn't realize that what he's saying is he's bragging about, you know, it's like saying that, you know, hey, here's what I do. You know, I tell them I'm going to give them new washers and dryers and I show them pictures of these really nice washer and dryers. But then after closing, I give them these and they're like half the price. Like, like he didn't say that, but I'm saying that's and he's like kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's kind of proud and was like, no, like if that's what you do, fine, but. I've been in those situations uh, as an agent who is bound by certain ethics or, or what, what have you with the NAR and Delaware Association of Realtors. Um, one thing I will definitely say about that is that people definitely need to be careful on what they say to people. You never know who's going to be from what uh, regulatory agency who might be doing a secret sh- shopper, um, even though, you know, whoever they might report back to what you say can can be on that thin line of facilitating a fraud doing blockbusting, uh, doing redlining or, or any, or any of those things. And I think that that's really important for agents to kind of really tighten up on, especially the climate that we're going to go into in the real estate, real estate sales arena. It's going to get really tough here. So I well, think that. Well, and, and also here's the thing. First of all, you don't get a lot of repeat clients that way. Um, mm. secondly is that clients that you're selling their homes or you're trying to, or 
um, buyers that you're trying to find them homes, they don't realize that those are the kinds of things, like all they think is he's just trying to, to sell me a property so he can make a commission. No, no, wait a second. I genuinely want you to find a decent house in a decent area that represents you, or I'm sorry, that that works for you because I want you to buy your next house from me. I want you to, because let's face it, the, after three or four years, you're not going to survive as a real estate agent unless you're getting referrals. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like you, you can't survive on walk-in business and you can't survive on you know, on a, an ad here or there, you need to hold out for four or five years until you get some referrals. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to make sure that your, your borrowers, your clients don't move into a property and three months later realize, oh my God, they're killing people out here. Absolutely. You know, or, and this yeah. guy knew that. And this guy didn't mention that. Or, hey, listen, I saw a video. That, did I send you the, that video? Uh, I don't the, know. The, the, huh? The, okay. I want to say I I thought oh I got to send this I I know I sent this to you hold on <laughs> all right I, I had to have sent it to oh come on why would I did I send it to you <laughs> oh my god it, I sent it to somebody it all was right. a TikTok where the guy's a real estate agent who is in front of a house and he's sitting there he's like hey this is a great first time buyer uh great neighborhood great that like he's pitching the house and all of a sudden you hear Bam, 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 bam. There are shots fired and he kind of does this like this. And then he stops and he goes, damn it. <laughs> like, start it over. That is it's hilarious. Like, oh. I was like that for any real estate person, that was hilarious. Yeah. I don't know what you would do in that situation. That is, I guess you just got to re reshoot it and uh, kind of <laughs> be very I don't know. I don't know how you go, but you got to redo the content. But when someone asks you about that area, you know. Um, oh, my God. I don't know how you oh go back. But I'm glad you mentioned oh TikTok. So not going to hold you much longer, but I wanted to ask, okay, in 2023's landscape of Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, this, that, Rumble, are any of those you're thinking, man, if this was around, I'd kill it on this thing. And should agents be careful of leads that may come in on some of these social media sites or what are some of the insights of someone as yourself who may see the real estate transaction from a different angle um, and say, man, I think people who are in the real estate business should be careful of this. Well, I, 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 think the, I think the selling, I mean, as far as social media, I don't, you know, what I was thinking about, and this was when I was locked up, when I was locked up and this was after 2000 and the 2008 financial crisis, let's say it was 2000 and 12 to 2016, 17, where prices were just climbing up, right? They were starting to all kind of tick back up. And there were all these companies that were saying, hey, we'll buy your house sight unseen. Yes. Like, like, like they'll do a drive-by appraisal or whatever, um, use whatever it is. Is it a Zillow or I don't know what they were using. They were using, um, God, there's a name for it where they generate how much your house is worth. A what? Zestimate from Zillow where they get the, they kind of run some basic it's numbers. More, it's, it's more, it's more um, involved than that. But yeah, it's, there's a program. I forget. It really doesn't cost that much. It's like 15 or 20 bucks. Okay. And, and they, you have a pretty good estimate of what the house is worth. So yeah. done by an appraiser. So these companies would have, you would call them, they give you one and it was never really, let's say your house is worth 300,000. It was never really be like 290, but they'll close in three or four days. Mm. So they would do they would do a um, a remote closing 
they close on your house because the you know the it the trend was still moving up for several years. Mm-hmm. But I just remember thinking like that wasn't something that was even possible in my day. And I I always remember I'd be I was sitting there, I would sit there in prison staring at the channel and just shake my head and think, my God, like <laughs> how. Not only buying the, not only are you telling me this guy never has to see the house, he's going to send me all the money in, let's say it takes a week. Mm-hmm. Like, and public records is behind. Like, I could go rent a house. Okay. Or buy a house, owner finance, or sorry, satisfy any mortgages on it, mm-hmm. call three or four of these places, close on all three or four of them at different title companies. Mm. And then just get the money and wire the money. And then, of course, you could now you can wire the money. You could wire it to a couple different bank accounts and then put it on cryptocurrency. You could buy gold. You could buy silver. You could put it on Cash App. There, there's there's about a hundred different apps you could put it on and just start pulling the money out of ATM machines. So that was going to be my big. Those, those scams are weren't available back then that they are now. So that's one. That's one. The yeah. other one is. Another one that this is a scam that happened, I, I read a, a, a couple articles, that was just a couple articles, was people were, there was a one, there were actually, ended up being two women. Two women were going out and they were, and this is what I believe they were doing. They, they never got that much involved in the article, but they were going and getting, um, so they weren't even renting the houses. Here's what they were doing. They were going and they were renting an Airbnb for a week. Okay. Before they were even there, they put it up for sale. And so they schedule a bunch of people to come by the house for like owner finance. I'm sorry, not owner financing, um, for, for sale by owner. Multiple people just under what it should be selling for. Multiple, they're taking multiple people are coming by and seeing the house and they're taking deposits. Ooh. The deposits were sent. That they now in the paper they say they set up a title company, but really all they did was set up a an email for to what looked like a title company, and hmm. so they had the money direct or deposited into an account like a business account in the name of a title company. Now, of course, I could come up right now. I could open up a corporation in anybody's name, get the corporate paperwork, and open up a, several bank accounts online that say Tampa Bay Title Company. And then you could, you could, I could ask you to direct your, put your um, deposit in my, in the title company, give you the information, you wire the money to the title company. Now I've got, so these, they, they made like half a million. I I don't remember these. I don't know if it was 350,000. I don't know if it was a million. So let's say it was a half a million dollars in a month or two doing this on different Airbnbs, taking the money and then taking off with the money. Eventually they got, the one girl got caught immediately rolled over on the other person. Damn. So that's another scam that's out there. And, and I want to I want to put a pin in that too for other for agents. Um, if you have a listing or you get an inquiry from a seller about a property, I would say um, maybe Google that uh, on Airbnb and say see if this property was on Airbnb in the last year. Okay, that might be suspicious. Um, maybe not, but I think that if people can take this information and say okay. I'm a heavy listing agent. Sometimes I don't talk to every single seller. Um, this property is rather exotic. Let me see if this was uh, on Airbnb recently and just make sure that there's no one uh, um, you know, posing as that seller and doing something nefarious while you are 
their listing agent with some sort of listing agreement. Now, I know most scammers probably are going to try to sign a listing agreement. Some may, some may not, or some um, maybe you're a buyer's agent well, and you're and showing someone something. And the well, what I think is what I think people need to think about is the fact that most people, even when something doesn't seem right, something doesn't quite feel right. Like, like, listen, your intuition. Yeah. People just a lot of times they just don't listen to it, right? Like they think, ah, oh, that doesn't sound right, and I feel funny about it, but oh well. Look, most people don't think fraud. Don't Typically, know. somebody says something to you, and you think that seems a little contradictory toward what he said earlier. But maybe, maybe there's a reason. Maybe I don't understand it. Let me ask. You ask. The person gives you an an, an answer that still doesn't quite make sense, but you drop it. Because people think, ah, it's none of my business. What am I going to do? That's what he said. I have to believe that. Wait a second. There's nothing wrong with, with you know, I, I love Ronald Reagan's quote, which was trust, but verify. Mm. You know, mm. like I, I don't, I'm not trying to insult you. Mm. I'm looking out for my, my, my buyer. I'm looking out for the seller. I'm looking out for everybody. So what you're saying doesn't make sense. Let me make a phone call. Yes. Let me call that job. Let me call that other agent. Let me call the title company that he said there was an issue. Was it? So the guy says, oh, this fell through and that fell through. They did this. They did that. And you're saying that doesn't really make sense. You might make a phone call to another title company or another real estate agent or someone just to say, hey, look, this is what the guy said. Doesn't quite make sense. Like, I'm not trying to be a Karen, mm -hmm. you know, but I also don't want to be answering questions at a grand jury in six months and have my seller hate my guts because he thinks you didn't even make a call. Yes. If, if what I'm telling you is true, I'm not going to get offended that you, that you called to double check. I'm not going to get offended that you maybe took a picture of my driver of my driver's license. I'm not going to get a picture. I get offended because you took a picture of my license tag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I were, if the person were to say, Hey man, what are you doing that for? All you have to do is say, you know, the problem is, look, there, my broker, he's a real, he's a real pain in the ass. He's always, you know, there's been a rash of fraud. So they are asking us to check everybody's ID. They're asking us to take a photo of everybody's tag. I know, trust me, I'm with you. What a jerk, but I have to do it. Like, what am I going to say? Forget it, man. I don't want anything to do with you. Listen, if that guy says that, that guy was going to be such a problem by the end of the transaction, you're better... You just dodged a bullet. Yep. Even uh, if he's not doing anything wrong. Yeah. When, when I, because I, I don't know if people under, know this that are going to watch this, but I, I owned a brokerage business. Yep. And I remember uh, as a mortgage broker, not a real estate broker, but as a mortgage broker, I remember people would come and sit down in, in the office. Oh, I'm sorry. The brokers would come and say, man, listen, this guy, can you, I'm disclosing to this guy, you know, I'm writing down, to, we're doing the disclosures where they explain how much, how much all the costs are. Um, just closing uh, disclosures or whatever. Right, right. All these you know anti-coercion disclosures. Like I'm not forcing you to do this. I'm not forcing. So you know you sign a bunch of disclosures if anybody who hasn't uh, purchased a property, yep. and, and they're just kind of cursory you know disclosures up front. They're not at the closing. You just sign them when you apply. So he's like, this guy's complaining about this, complaining about this. He's you know, can you come talk to him? And I would usually walk in. And say, sure, hey, my name, you know, my name is Matt. Uh, you know, I'm 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 the the manager here. Uh, even though I own the place, I always said I was like the manager. Yeah, um, right, right, right. You know, I'm the manager. What can I, you know, what's going on? And they'd say, oh, this interest rate is this, and what's this fee here, and what's this fee? 
And I would go through and I would disclose to them, boom, 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 boom. And they would say, well, that's too high. That's it. And I'd say, listen, let me explain something. And I would go through the why these fees are this, and they're pretty standard. And some of them are actually higher, but here's the reason why they're higher. And then I would give them my canned responses on why they're higher, your credit, you have some dings on your credit, you have this, you have that. And then they would say, well, I can get a better deal. I say, you know what, here's what I'm suggesting you, you probably should go somewhere else. Right. Like, no offense. This is what the fees are. This is how it works. This is what we're dealing with. We do this. We can do this because we are so good at what we do. You've been turned down. You're not here because we were your first choice. We're here because someone told you to come here because you have some dings on your credit because your bank said no, your, your credit union said no, the real estate agent knows that you have some problems with your employment, whatever. Right. That's why you're here. That's why we charge extra because we're, we're signed up with additional companies that can, pre, can get you qualified that we can get you the, you know, get you the, uh, the actual loan. So I would go through that and I would draw a hard line in the sand because here was the problem. And I used to tell these guys, the brokers, they'd be like, man, you just let that. I would have, Matt, I, can, I'm going to call him back. I, I'll lower my fee. And I'd say, no, no, here's the problem. If this guy is this much of a problem when he's signing documents that mean absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things, he's going to be an absolute nightmare by the end. Yes. And I that's think, why he's here. Yeah. And a lot of people in the real estate profession, especially starting out, will hold on to those to those on the line, those fishes that are just nightmares. And I want to take it back to where you were saying a little light verification. If that becomes a major issue, not only is that a red flag, but you're going to dodge a bullet. And I think that in our yeah. business, especially today, um, the real estate business today is going through a shift. Um, the, the team structure, a lot of brokerage structures are changing for a lot of agents. And I think that fraud in the next five years or 10 years as this real estate is going to be big. Um, and I think that a lot of agents are going to be susceptible to it because they can't do what you just said. We'll just go, you know what? This is. Yeah. This it, listen, it, that's hard. It, it's hard to, to draw that line. It's, it's hard because yeah, you, feel like, you don't <laughs> want to be a jerk. You, you, you feel like a jerk doing that. Yep. Like my brokers would never do it. They, they felt like they were being a jerk. Like I, they're like, I didn't mind being a, being a, a hard ass. Mm. You know, they didn't want to do it. They, they felt the way to, to complete the transaction was to be the nice guy, you know? And, and, and the thing is that it was funny. It was always like the night, like those guys that were such a pain in the ass, you always ended up cutting your, those, you know, they cut their fees. They do this. It, it, in the end, it just wasn't worth it. You could have been working, you could have been working or looking for someone that was, you know, that was a better client that was easier to deal with, that wasn't gonna give you such a hard time while you were dealing with this guy that's gonna take twice as much time mm. and, and wanna pay you half as much, and he's never gonna send you anybody. And then won't even send you a, no. a referral, not a yeah, he'll, he'll never be happy, no matter how, if you did that loan for nothing, you know what? If you were a real estate agent, you did that, that you ended up doing, do, doing a sale for zero, making no money, that guy's always going to say, yeah, that real estate agent, he was a jerk. He, he, he screwed me over. And you're like, I made no money. I did everything I could do for you. Yeah. You know, but the, it's funny, the guys that never question anything and are totally okay, you get paid full commission. They thank you and thank you. Those are the guys that are a joy to work with. And they send you people. Always. Always. It's, it's, it's 90% always. The ones who are smooth and have a question, we answer it. Always way easier. Right. And 
they usually don't have a problem with any extra verification if need be. So, which is, which is my big thing, you know, right now, I truly believe that agents need to be aware because of the hunger that's going to come with some of the slow up in business with rising interest rates, yeah. inventory. Oh, fraud, you're right. It's going to, I absolutely agree with you. Fraud's going to blow up. I really do. I believe so. And I think that if any agent takes five or 10 minutes, learns about your story, watches a little bit of this and just does one of these things. And, and picks up on one thing um, in your story and say, I'm going to watch out for that the next time. Yeah. So you can save yourself from being um, in an arbitration or worse in a lawsuit uh, and with your license on the line because you were just like, eh, well, that was weird, but whatever. I'm going to get back. Yeah, I'm going to look the other way. Yeah, I had, uh, oh gosh, I can tell you, listen, I, I'm not even. I want to know what are your best stories with another real estate professional? I know pretty much everything about your story when it comes to just being on the road and everything. But you never, you know, you you get into a little bit of the minutiae with some of the uh, other agents in the area. But I want to know if there was one that stood out or even one you've already told before about another real estate professional before we go. So I, I there was I had one real estate. So did you ever read my book? Even if you didn't, you, you should say yes. Huh? We'll get the book. Never read the I never read the book. I'm, I'm a moocher. Unbelievable. I got all your free stuff. But yeah. I haven't got any money. No, it's one book, bro. It's. Shark like in the house. I'll plug the book myself because I'm a fan. Shark in the housing pool. Go get that. I know it's anyway. Wow. So um, it actually is a good book. So it, it listen, it's a good book if you're just reading. I mean, just to read. But if you're in real estate, bro, like people read that book that are in real estate, like they they're like, man, this you can. People read that book, and here's what happens. I got about thirty percent of them like I. You're a horrible human being. And then 70% are like, bro, like I, I hate to say this, but I've never read a book faster and understood it more and, and really, really rooted for you. Like, I know what you did was wrong. They're like, I know what you did was wrong, but God, bro, it was amazing. For anyone who's ever worked with me, I'm not a fraudster, never have been. I've never even got a, you know, I've never got a misdemeanor. But what I will say is this, one of the, um, I, there's, I, I find myself rooting for you. Every time you tell your story, I'm like, dude, you should have never put those uh, those Mexican uh, 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 whatever you put in the trunk where you were letting them know where you were going, but they didn't know at the airport when you left the car and then you had them. Yeah, but we weren't going there. Yeah. Okay. So you weren't going there. You were throwing right, them off. I was. Yeah, okay, we, okay. Would, we would leave like we would leave like Spanish for dummies and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. then we would leave. We would leave like we printed out brochures from a um from a hotel in spain right so you know and you actually went and got lira like i think it was lira or something where it was actually and left a couple lira in the trunk so that we knew when they found the car they would look in the they'd be searching it and they'd be yeah. like oh my god right and it was and we left the car in the airport yeah so the so well, they're like, the let's go, guys, go get them. And you guys are I'm like, sure they're searching, they're searching surveillance photos and look, it's like, well, I, I didn't go to Spain. So, okay, yeah, but yeah, um, none of that played well in front of the judge. Okay, so here's what I was gonna say there was one real estate agent, and I don't, she listen, as much as she smoked, she can't still be alive. So I'm, I don't mind saying her, her name was Lynn Cadella, and she was, and, and she can't say anything, anything anyway, because this is so true. Okay. So, she was in Brandon, Florida, and she worked with a, a a real estate investor that was just the nicest guy. But Lynn, I'm telling you right now, I got her loans. So one, she bought 
you know, I don't, I want to say it was six or eight duplexes, all of them owner financed. I'm sorry, sorry, all of them owner occupied. So we closed like eight, and I could be wrong. When you read the book, you might be like, oh, it was only six or oh, it was nine. I forget. Let's say eight. And I did this multiple times, but this is this woman was a real estate agent. Okay. So one, I had to change her. So she was a real estate agent, but I had to say she worked for like a developer and provide W-2s and pay stubs because she was commission-based. Right. She's W-9 or whatever. Yeah, w, whatever we get. I know. It's, yeah. Right. So you guys get ten, like 1099 and then you file your own taxes, right? You're self-employed. But I had to say that like she worked, I think, for like a development company and she was W-2. And I had to say she made like 130000 a year. And of course, you know, and verify that for her. So one, two years W-2s, they're completely fraudulent. Wow. Um, then what I did was I had her buy like eight owner-occupied duplexes. So she's saying she's going to move into the duplex herself. Right, right. right. Oh, wait a minute. Right. I do mention this in the book. I, it, was, um, it was eight of them. Yeah, it was, it was eight. No, 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 eight, not eight. It was six. It was six of them, six of them. So she's supposed to be moving into them. That's what owner occupied means. Whoever's watching this investor term, owner occupy versus absentee owner, whatever matter. Okay. Go ahead. Or, or yeah, as opposed to buying it, or if if you were, if it was an owner occupied property, then you're moving in the borrower, the person buying the house is, is telling the bank, I'm going to move in this duplex and I'm going to live there in that duplex, as opposed to saying, I'm buying this duplex to rent it out. And that has interest interest rate complication implications. Right. And down payment. Yeah, various implications versus right. living in it and using right. so, it, living it. Yeah, so. exactly. So, so if I'm moving in it, then the bank will let me put down five percent. Okay, because I live there. Right. If I'm saying I'm buying it strictly as an investment property, they're like, you got to put down a minimum of twenty. You have to put down twenty percent. Got it. Yep. So yep. she was putting down. And listen, back then, the, some of these were subprime loans, so they were a hundred percent financing. So she buys like six of them. It wasn't eight. It was, I'm almost positive it was six. She okay. buys six of them at the same, on the same day, same time, different with different, with, we're talking about with different um, uh, mortgage companies. I'm sorry, uh, lenders, different title companies. So she, instead of having to put down, let's say, you know, a hundred, hundred and twenty thousand dollars she put down maybe ten or fifteen thousand dollars for to get like like six of these things. Woo! Rent them out. Woo! Now it, this was I mentioned this one in the book only because it comes back on me and I have to kind of fix the whole problem, mm. like which almost never did because I, I multiple times did this mul many many times. But I I think I mentioned Lynn was was the one in the book. But this 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 woman, I'll bet you I did maybe 10 or 12 loans for her. I probably have several million dollars worth of loans. One of the things she did was she lived on like a cul-de-sac. So I did a loan for her house, the house next to her. Like there's like maybe five houses on the cul-de-sac. She owned like every house on the cul-de-sac. Mm. She, a couple of, I think quadplexes. I know a couple duplexes. Um, yeah, she was, listen. I know in the book huh? you might more did she get greedy or like was this all in one shot like or did they no, build no, this up? was over the course of six months to a year and keep in mind every single time that the loans are showing up now these are loans showing up we now have to when she gets to the next few loans 
I have to explain to the new lender, these are, these um, duplexes are all rented out. And because they were so overly financed, I now have to, we have to now make fake lease, fake leases for every single property. And I remember telling her, listen, if you're buying anything else this year, you better start buying now because in about three months from now, they're going to ask for your taxes and we're going to have to do the taxes. Now, it's funny because we, she still closed a few more. And then I remember she was like, okay, so I'm done, right? And I was like, no, guess what? I got a chick that does taxes. So now I can do your taxes showing that you're making a ton of money on the real estate. So listen, her, her fraud file that I was giving these lenders was so thick. And I think she may have been the first person where I actually, to show her down payment and her reserves, because you know you have to have reserves. Yes. Yep. Got so don't realize that a lot of a lot of uh, lenders say we'll, we'll lend you the money on this house that you're buying, but you own like six or eight other properties. We need to make sure that you have r- enough money in reserves, unless something comes, in case something comes up. So we want you to have six months worth of payments in reserve for After each one, one of these properties. Each one. Oh, shit. This is, this is what's funny. This is when some, you know, you would sometimes get these lenders who were like, they were like, this person's got, you know, bought 12 properties last year. It's insane. So we have to be able to know, like something's, something's not right. So That's- we're going to give them, uh, an underwriting guideline. We're going to give them a stipulation that's so outrageous. We're not going to turn them down, but we're going to give them an outrageous stipulation so we don't have to lend to them. There you go. Okay. And so, of course, you know, me being me, I remember I created a bank, created the, the actual um, uh, bank statements. And then showed that she had like $120,000 in reserves in this bank that had been open for, you know, I have three, four, five bank statements. And, and, and so we give them to them. And then, they, of course, you know, then they call the bank and we have someone that answers the phone for the bank and transfers it. And then, of course, I get on the phone and I start tapping like, okay, what's the name? <laughs> All right. And that's Cadella. How, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, Hold on. I made this well, I, up. Oh yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I can't, I cannot tell you how much money's in, in her account, but I, I can verify. What do you have? And then they would, I say, they, I'd say, which bank? Okay. In December. All right. What is the average balance for December? And they'd tell me, oh, it's a 122,750. And I go, yep. Yep. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Okay. They go, okay, thank you. And then I hang up the phone. I call in and I say, it's going to close. This this lady was a real was a real estate broker on She's top. Real estate. Agent. This she is knows it's all, she knows I'm giving them fake this, fake that, fake this. And she was her whole thing was like, is it gonna close? Is it gonna close? Is it gonna and of course it closed. And so um I loved Lynn. I thought Lynn was great. Lynn Lynn was super cool too. Lynn was like in her in her fifties, smoked a couple packs a day. Um had a Harley. She had a bunch of cars. Had a Harley, and this chick was living large. Now, what happened to her? <laughs> you ever? Did you ever? Did anything ever happen to her? She skated away. I, I have no idea what happened to Lynn. I mean, Lynn was a survivor. Like th- this was all in two thousand and three, before or two thousand two, two thousand three, 
No, yeah. wait, wait. 2002, 2000. By two, yeah, yeah, 2002, 2003. And then I took off in late 2003. So I don't know what happened to her. That's crazy. So this realtor was really running, and she knew. All oh, the listen, I can so tell you, I had real, I had mortgage brokers that were mortgage brokers and real estate agents, and they were running scam after, like they were con not necessarily scams, but they were committing fraud where they'd take people out, they'd find them a house, and then they'd come back and they'd go, listen, the guy wants to buy the house. I'd say, okay. And they'd say, can I get him some money back at closing? Now, what do you mean? Like he's willing, he can put down, we can show that he can put down 5%, but I want to get him his down payment back, but I'd also like to close, pay off his, his credit cards because I convinced him to buy the house by telling him, we'll pay off your $20,000 in credit cards. And I would go, okay, well, what will it appraise at? Let's find out. So we'd find out what we could get it appraised at. And then I'd do the numbers and I, I can get him $18,000 out at closing. They go, okay, well, great, because then that'll pay off their credit cards and that'll help them and then they can, they can afford the larger payment. So as you know, that's a cash back scheme. Like, yes, that's a kickback. It, or not a kickback, but yeah, cash back. Cash back, it's not a kickback. Yeah. A I mean, scheme. the technical fr fraud is, it's called, it's a cash back. Even though you brought, let's say you bring $10,000 of closing, but you get a check back for 38,000. Mm. So they're making 18,000 on, on the purchase price. And then they would make, you know, if you're lucky, maybe they make all the payments. Maybe they, they maybe they refinance in two years. Maybe they make the payments and refinance. That's great. But a lot of times, if you have no money involved right. in the transaction, anything that goes wrong, the first thing you're going to think is, I didn't put any money down on this house. I'll just stop making the payments. So that's why it's, you know, obviously they want you to have, they want you to be able to put equity into right. the transaction, which is your down payment. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Um, no, um, that's crazy, though. But um, we, we've been on here in, uh, uh, over an hour. I didn't want to hold you too much longer. And honestly, I could talk to you for another hour about just other uh, aspects of the real estate business between then and now. But I guess we'll kind of cut it off. And I do believe that we have some things here I can chop up and, and relate to people at my office. One thing I do want to plug any realtor that is watching this. One, please check out Matt Cox's story if you don't know. I mean, I don't care if you're a realtor, um, a, real estate, a real estate attorney and you're watching this in Delaware, um, another mortgage broker, whatever, because everything in it is super relevant to our entire industry, terminology, um, the, the, uh, the process he was using to close at a, a number and record at a different number, um, the way he had relationships with the title office and re recorder of deeds. You even spoke to appraisers who would tell you, Hey, you know, this is coming here in this area. And, you know, another one over here sold for something. And these were all properties you had just sold in that area. It took Ebor oh, yeah. City, correct? You literally yeah, Ybor City. took that whole area from $50,000 average houses to like 300000 so Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like a little like 200 and whatever, 60000 Matter of fact, um, it was Forbes said that the zip code, Ebor City zip code was among the fastest top 20 zip codes growing zip codes in the nation after i'd been there for about about a year they said out of the top 20 fastest growing zip codes in the nation ebor city was one of them and listen you know the the the, the um fbi said i did 109 transactions in like just under two years you know, 11 11.5 million dollars i borrowed so you were you were you were moving dude you were i mean you were doing this 
I didn't even feel like I didn't even feel like I was doing working that hard. I mean, I had plenty of time. I mean, I, I like what I do. Right. Me too. Me too. And it's fun. <laughs> Dan, you really uh you really took it there. But anyway, um, my last plug, I guess, is for your book, Shark in the Housing Pool. Do you want to say anything last minutes about the book? I'm gonna encourage every agent in my office to get the book and we'll go from there. You haven't even read the book. Including me. I'm encouraging me to get it. <laughs> Listen, if you give me your address, I'll mail you a book for free. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to see I'm going to text you my address, man. And, you know, I don't know if you saw my on my YouTube channel. I do. Uh, yeah. Book for Wednesday. Um, I tried to do book reviews. I, I, I kind of slacked off on it. But this one, I might do a series on it because it's it's in my field, which I love. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was going to say you you you, you got to. Yeah. You got to put listen. You got to put a better thumbnail. You got to <laughs> you can get a guy from Fiverr. What are you yeah. doing? You I could do. be Graham Stephan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can. I need to invest more into it. I'm kind of new to it, and um, yeah, you're right. I'm gonna invest more time into it because I love this too. I love talking and giving inputs. Well, you know what? What's funny about YouTube is the amount of credibility it gives you. Like, if you just if you were just putting up a video a week, if it was 15 minutes, if it was just like, hey, I had a horrible week. This, I had a client do this. I had this happen. Even if you complain for 15 minutes a week on a on a crappy vi phone video with just put your phone up there and then did it, honestly, you would build you would build a huge following. And you just and next thing you know, you start doing these with real estate professionals around, you know, and then you you just do little financial things here and there and. I'm telling you right now, you could. It's not hard to grow. I mean, I'm not saying it's not hard, but it's not a massive effort for the payoff. And, and if nothing else, for the credibility it gives you as a professional. Right. I'm right. Just, but I know you got to go. No, no, that's 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 exactly right. I'm gonna commit to um, upgrading uh, some of those things because uh, I do want to I do want to do this and be uh, credible with, with this and use this as another uh, piece of my armor of in the utility belt for clients and stuff like that. So, uh, Matt, thank you so much for your time. I definitely maybe at the end of the year get some more of your time and and see how yeah. the real estate market plays out and see what other frauds have come up with. And uh, that's it, man. Thank you. Have a great weekend. I don't know if you celebrate Easter. You and your wife celebrate Easter or whatever. So y'all have a good Easter. All that. Good Thank stuff. you. You too. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and that was Burt Ferguson. And if you guys like the video, do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell so you get notified of videos just like this. Also, um, leave me a comment. And um, I think I said like the video. Uh, share the video. Uh, leave me a comment. I'm going to go. You can go into the the description box, and I'm going to leave Bert's channel in the description box if you guys want to check out his channel. And also, I don't know if you know this, but I wrote a bunch of true crime books, so check out the trailers. Using forgeries and bogus identities, Matthew B. Cox, one of the most ingenious con men in history, built America's biggest banks out of millions. Despite numerous encounters with bank security, state, and federal authorities, Cox narrowly, and quite luckily, avoided capture for years. Eventually, he topped the U.S. Secret Service's most wanted list and led the U.S. Marshals, FBI, and Secret Service on a three-year chase while jet-setting around the world with his attractive female accomplices. Cox has been declared one of the most prolific mortgage fraud con artists of all time by CNBC's American Greed. Bloomberg Businessweek called him the mortgage industry's worst nightmare, while Dateline NBC 
described Cox as a gifted forger and silver-tongued liar. Playboy magazine proclaimed his scam was real estate fraud, and he was the best. Shark in the Housing Pool is Cox's exhilarating first-person account of his stranger-than-fiction story. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Bent is the story of John J. Boziak's phenomenal life of crime. Inked from head to toe, with an addiction to strippers and fast Cadillacs, Boziak was not your typical computer geek. He was, however, one of the most cunning scammers, counterfeiters, identity thieves, and escape artists alive, and a major thorn in the side of the U.S. Secret Service as they fought a war on cybercrime. With a savant-like ability to circumvent banking security and stay one step ahead of law enforcement, Boziak made millions of dollars in the international cyber underworld with the help of the Chinese and the Russians. Then, leaving nothing but a John Doe warrant and a cleaned-out bank account in his wake, he vanished. Boziak's stranger-than-fiction tale of ingenious scams and impossible escapes, of brazen run-ins with the law and secret desires to straighten out and settle down, makes his story a true crime con game that will keep you guessing. Bent. How a homeless teen became one of the cybercrime industry's most prolific counterfeiters. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Buried by the U.S. government and ignored by the national media, this is the story they don't want you to know. When Frank Amadeo met with President George W. Bush at the White House to discuss NATO operations in Afghanistan, no one knew that he'd already embezzled nearly $200 million from the federal government, money he intended to use to bankroll his plan to take over the world. From Amadeo's global headquarters in the shadow of Florida's Disney World, with a nearly inexhaustible supply of the Internal Revenue Services funds, Amadeo acquired multiple businesses, amassing a mega conglomerate. Driven by his delusions of world conquest, he negotiated the purchase of a squadron of American fighter jets and the controlling interest in a former Soviet ICBM factory. He began work to build the largest private militia on the planet, over one million Africans strong. Simultaneously, Amadeo hired an international black ops force to orchestrate a coup in the Congo while plotting to take over several small Eastern European countries. The most disturbing part of it all is, had the U.S. government not thwarted his plans, he might have just pulled it off. It's insanity. The bizarre, true story of a bipolar megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Pierre Rossini, in the 1990s, was a 20-something-year-old Los Angeles-based drug trafficker of ecstasy and ice. He and his associates drove luxury European supercars, lived in Beverly Hills penthouses, and dated Playboy models while dodging federal indictments. Then, two FBI officers with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force entered the picture. Dirty agents willing to fix cases and identify informants. Suddenly, two of Rossini's associates, confidential informants working with federal law enforcement, were murdered. Everyone pointed to Rossini. As his co-defendants prepared for trial, U.S. Attorney Robert Mueller sat down to debrief Rossini at Leavenworth Penitentiary, and another story emerged. A tale of FBI corruption and complicity in murder. You see, Pierre Rossini knew something that no one else knew. The truth. And Robert Mueller and the federal government 
have been covering it up to this very day. Devil Exposed, a twisted tale of drug trafficking, corruption, and murder in the City of Angels. Available on Amazon and Audible. Bailout is a psychological true crime thriller that pits a narcissistic conman against an egotistical pathological liar. Marcus Shrinker, the money manager who attempted to fake his own death during the 2008 financial crisis, is about to be released from prison and he's ready to talk. He's ready to tell you the story no one's heard. Shrinker sits down with true crime writer Matthew B. Cox, a fellow inmate serving time for bank fraud. Shrinker lays out the details. The disgruntled clients who persecuted him for unanticipated market losses, the affair that ruined his marriage, and the treachery of his scorned wife, the woman who framed him for securities fraud, leaving him no choice but to make a bogus distress call and plunge from his multi-million dollar private aircraft in the dead of night. The $11.1 million in life insurance, the missing $1.5 million in gold. The fact is, Shrinker wants you to think he's innocent. The problem is, Cox knows Shrinker's a pathological liar and his story's a fabrication. As Cox subtly coaxes, cajoles, and yes, cons Shrinker into revealing his deceptions, his stranger-than-fiction life of lies slowly unravels. This is the story Shrinker didn't want you to know. Bailout, The Life and Lies of Marcus Shrinker. Available now on Barnes & Noble, Etsy, and Audible. Matthew B. Cox is a con man, incarcerated in the Federal Bureau of Prisons for a variety of bank fraud-related scams. Despite not having a drug problem, Cox inexplicably ends up in the prison's Residential Drug Abuse Program, known as RDAP, a drug program in name only. RDAP is an invasive behavior modification therapy specifically designed to correct the cognitive thinking errors associated with criminal behavior. The program is a non-fiction dark comedy which chronicles Cox's side-splitting journey. This first-person account is a fascinating glimpse at the survivor-like atmosphere inside of the government-sponsored rehabilitation unit. While navigating the treachery of his backstabbing peers, Cox simultaneously manipulates prison policies and the bumbling staff every step of the way. The program. How a con man survived the Federal Bureau of Prisons' cult of RDAP. Available now on Amazon and Audible. If you saw anything you like, links to all the books are in the description box.